Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special Lost Interview edition of Black Hole Cinema, hosted by me, Tony Black. Last summer, when the podcast came to a brief halt for about six months, I realized there were several interviews I did with friends and colleagues online that hadn't actually been released. So... Instead of them sitting on my hard drive, I thought, why not release them in between the new podcasts we're doing for however long they go on for, and give those really interesting interviews about certain films the light of day. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have several different interviews from several different people about several different, more than likely quite classic films. So without further ado, welcome to The Lost Interviews. Alright, welcome back guys. It's time again for that favourite part of the podcast where I get a friend on and they talk about their favourite movie. Now, I'm cheating slightly with this one, okay, because I'm getting back a guest I had on before to talk about another favourite film of theirs. And I haven't done this before, but when we recorded the first one, we decided that there were two films that he wanted to talk about. And we thought, hell, why not? Who's, who's, who's judging us? You know, who's judging the rules for this? Airwave so let's, Rebels. Airwave, Airwave Rebels, Rebels, right? So let's do it again. So I'm delighted to welcome back uh, my good friend, uh, Mr. Adam Massingham. Hello again, Adam. Hello again. And it must be weird for him because he's just recorded one you heard before. Yeah, about two minutes ago. About two minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's got a second favourite film that is just too much of a good one, I think, to not discuss today. So he's back for your pleasure, especially the ladies. And so, what is what is the other favourite film you're going to talk about, Adam? Right, this one is a classic from 1984. It's a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Tia! There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jar and puking since he saw it. 
They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? It was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Excellent. Yeah. Classic, iconic horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, I first saw this film, well, I picked this film because obviously horror is, well, not obviously, horror is my favourite <laughs> genre. <laughs> obviously to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horror is my favourite genre and um, I this is the film that kind of got me into horror. Um, I watched it when I was about 11 and I remember just sitting there in the dark and yeah, I'd never seen anything like this film before. Um, I actually couldn't even get all the way through it. I kind of got halfway through it and then I, I couldn't watch any more because it's frankly terrifying, especially when you're 11. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the reason I love horror is because it makes you feel that way. You, you get more of a, for me, I get more of a feeling from watching a horror than I do from watching a bunch of explosions at the cinema, which you forget about half an hour later. Well, you're a massive, massive horror fan, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's the first genre that you go to you know for musically you're a massive metal guy but yeah. in terms of film you're a massive horror guy aren't oh, you oh exactly really? exactly I, lo- I love that that kind of you know you, you feel something and it stays with you when you watch a horror mm. you can go and watch say I don't know Transformers yeah um, and you just you're like at the time you're like, oh we're going to look at all the explosions you come out half an hour late you forgot what happened yeah um, this one is uh, I picked this one because it, it, it stayed with me and it still stays with me now in, in many ways Basically, just to kind of explain what it's about, um, if you haven't seen it, and well, if not, why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, good, good question. <laughs> Basically, it's set, as the title says, on Elm Street, and these um, kids who live in Elm Street, they're they're having dreams. They're all, all basically the same. They involve the same person, which is kind of this um, man with this kind of burnt face. Um, he's got a, a green and red striped sweater on, a hat, and most importantly. He's got this claw for a hand. It's like a it's like a glove uh, with blades on. And all these kids in Elm Street they're having the same dream, a nightmare. And um, obviously this is something that's obviously very disturbing. You know the parents aren't listening to them. Uh, they don't know what to do about it. And it basically it centres around um, the main character of Na- Nancy, who she's probably like the smart one. There's always a smart one. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's the one who seems to be uh, most affected and as the film goes on you know the dreams become more and more horrific um, murders people getting murdered in in their nightmares Um, and obviously the kids they try and try and band together led by Nazis try and find out why and and what happens and the more the film goes on the kind of you you find out more about the origins of the character Mm. and it's it's one of those films that's been quite seminal for horror hasn't it in terms of the fact that it really it took a lot of the established horror tropes and things from the 70s before then when we when we were starting to get a lot more of the you know um, exploitation kind of horror films and it kind of advanced them to create i suppose the first kind of slasher film really isn't it with with the teenagers yeah with teenagers in peril and you know facing the burgeoning sexuality of teenage life and and, and everything like that so it kind of brought it all together didn't it uh, yeah I think the thing that um, we'd already had Halloween at yeah. this point the first couple of Halloweens um, 
Home in Wine is 1980, I think, and, and then the sequel's pretty soon after that. Same with Friday the 13th, that was 1983. Yeah. Um, this was 1984, and I think um, due to the massive success of Halloween, there was, as you can imagine, like, all these kind of bad like, rip-offs of not just the sequels themselves, but other films coming out mm. with, with similar characters, same sort of characters. I think with um, Nightmare on Elm Street, it brought the... Uh, the character of Freddy Krueger, who's, mm. who's the guy with the with the um, the love with the blades, yeah, um, it, it brought a whole new spin on it because Michael Myers and and um, from Halloween and, and Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth, um, even though they come across as like immortal characters, I mean, the, I think the thing that makes Freddy Krueger so scary is um, in this film is he comes to you in your nightmares, you, you're powerless to stop. He's he's like mm. a, an evil spirit. Yeah, it can just invade your your nightmares, and it's like, you know, this is what makes it even scary because, you know, as, as we all know, it's something that everyone has discussed at some point about what the dreams mean, what the nightmares yeah. mean. So it goes into that. So it's it makes it quite thought provoking in a way because you're like, wow, what what, what does happen, you know, in, yeah. in, on the other side, you know, in our nightmares, you know, and can we, you know, can we bring what happens in our dreams and nightmares out into reality, um, which is something that's played within the film. There's some really good images um, during the nightmares, um, things that happen where in, in kind of reality in the nightmare world and that realm gets kind of blurred a bit. Mm. But it's never to the point where it's confusing as well. I think this is why Wes Craven's known as one of the best horror yeah. directors, even though you see a bit of surreal kind of blurring of, of the nightmare world and the real world. It never gets to the point where it's just oh what's going on here. Mm. You're just like it's 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 actually t- it makes it genuinely terrifying. And yeah. Whenever you see Freddy, you are very some of the deaths are very scary. Um, in particularly the first proper death of uh, one of the characters, Tina, who's sleeping with her boyfriend that night, just gets waken waken up. Uh, she's in, she's having a nightmare. Um, she gets chased by Freddy, hunted down by Freddy, and you see all, all the her trying to. Um, push off this inf- what we can't see in, in the outside world uh, her, her boyfriend is there distressed he can't do anything um, yeah, and you just see her basically get ripped to shreds in a, in, in, um, carried around her room by this invisible force mm. and before she just crashes onto the bed in a massive pool of blood and it's just it's, it's generally when, when you're 11 years old to watch that it was pretty uh, terrifying oh, yeah. even now when I watched it recently I was still like wow this is still effective even now do you think this was the formative film for you then in terms of horror? Was it Was it really, I mean, you say, you know, you're 11 years old, far too young really to be watching it anyway, but like like all 10-year, 11-year-olds, yeah. you do. I mean, I, I remember the one that got me in that way was Child's Play at that age. That yeah. scared the crap out of me. But you do watch them when, you, when you're a kid, obviously. You know, you hunt these things out. Do you think that, that Nightmare on Elm Street is the major... You know, reason that you are such a big horror junkie now, oh, or one of the main yeah. reasons. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. I think that that was the film because, for me, it's kind of confusing when I speak to people about horror, and um, I say how much I love horror, and um, they say they don't get horror, you know, and they, they go and watch all these kind of like mindless action films. But I always think, well, don't you want to come away from a film, kind of like feeling like like you've actually mm. watched something? You know? kind of staying with you and it's yeah gonna, and it's going to make you think and it's going to you know you know just be there and, and you know just have have an effect whether it's positive or negative mm. i still like i like to watch a film and come out of it kind of thinking and kind of like and i think that's what that did for me because it got me thinking about the nightmare 
scenario, mm. more about that. And that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of led me. Other films I watched when I was, I was that age, um, I enjoyed. Like, I had a bit of a martial arts phase and yeah. action thriller phase, but none of them affected me in the same way. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Not only is he evil, to pure evil, he's also got this black comic style to it yeah. as well. Like he doesn't the what the one liners from um, about the third film onwards get more and more ridiculous, and it's almost like a comedy, you know, at points. But in the first film, you've got a really perfect balance of being really menacing um, and just playing evil, but also with this slight dark humour. But you never have fun with it at the same time. It's just more scary than mm. anything. So I think that that as well played a part in. It's just a whole package, really. It's pretty much like the perfect horror film. Even I'd say the only down point maybe a few of the effects that they use towards the end, being mid eighties, bit dodgy maybe, but it's still still a terrifying film. But I mean, you can you can still have a film that has aged to an extent yeah. and doesn't necessarily have the up to date effects and still scares if anything i tend to think that sometimes films that are a little bit more dated are are, are scarier or are more yeah. chilling because you know you quite often find that people try and throw in too much you know at the um at, yeah at you nowadays because they've got the technology to do it wow. then then actually in the old days they didn't have that and it made it feel more real maybe you yeah. know I think I think yeah, that's a good point because I think um, our, the something that sprung to mind was the uh, when you just said that was the the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, which I was going to mention, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I think the problem with it 
was firstly um, they've gone too overboard on the makeup in the remake. Mm. He, he's, he hasn't got a face. I mean, the thing is, uh, Robert England, you know, you see his features, although he's heavily burned, you, you can see he's still got facial yeah. features. In the remake, he hasn't, so it's hard to just even not care. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but, you know, you know, when you're looking at a killer, you know, it's sort of like, in the in the in the uh, remake, yeah, he just it looks like he hasn't got a face, and it's just sort of has no effect. And they also try, at one point, I think they try and almost make him sympathetic, mm. like, oh, you know, he was a, you know, well, you find out later on that he was actually a, a child killer, like later on in the film. And how do you how do you possibly sympathise with a child murderer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, <laughs> exactly. So I think they they try and do some sort of story. I think they try to emphasise his background a bit. Yeah. Probably not to sympathise with him, but just to understand him. Yeah. But it, it can't help but... I think they try too hard to do that. But that's um, the other point as well, is that why do we need to understand him? Yeah. Why, why can't he just be this sadistic evil force yeah, exactly. that, is pl- that is preying on, on terror and on nightmares and on fear? And, you know, that that's become a problem with a lot of films these days in that we, you know, we try and we almost three-dimensionalize a villain that we don't necessarily have to you know do that with and yeah. freddy krueger isn't the kind of villain you need to do that with no exactly he's he's as pure evil i mean you find out later on in the film the whole reason he, he is killing kids on elm street mm. is because when um when he was alive he he was a, a yeah he was a child killer child molester and the parents the, the grown-ups in Elm Street got together, tracked him down, and then burned him to death. And he is now getting revenge for them for, by killing all their kids. So that's scary enough as it is. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need to put all this extra things in about what did, what what was his job? You know, why? You know, what relationships did he have with with these people? And you know, what? And, you know, why did he do so, what he did? Yeah. Well, so I don't really care. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I think by this point, the thing with a good thing I liked about like slasher boom and that of, of the of the eighties was mm. the fact that it was just you know as as kind of sadistic as it sounds you just enjoyed watching people get you know you were, you, you liked going to see like the Friday the Thirteenth films the Halloween films you know, how is he going to kill him next yeah you know, what's he going to do you know what's he you know and as as Freddie went on it's like what's funny what's funny, what's funny line is he going to come up with now and but it makes them like it, that. that's the point though it makes them you know. It, it it makes them scary, but it makes them less of a threat in a way because you yeah. know that they're larger than life kind of you know characters in a way, aren't they? You know they're scary and they tap into fears, but they're not the kind of people that are going to turn up on your doorstep. And that's <laughs> that's that's the whole point. Well, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the whole point. That's why it goes back to what we talked about in the last in the last favorite film you chose about people getting the wrong impression of of certain things that they might blame for people's behaviour. You know, horror films have been blamed a lot, haven't they, for people going out and killing people and things like that. And, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street isn't going to make you go and and kill a load of kids, you know, hopefully, again. (laughs) But it shouldn't do. But it's the whole thing of, you know, it's a primal fear and a primal kind of pleasure almost for people to be afraid. And it's it's one of those things, that's why horror is so successful. Because there is nothing quite like that feeling of watching something play before your eyes, being terrified but knowing that it's not happening to you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I think that's uh, yeah, that's a really good point actually. 
And I think that's why all the sequels did well. Like people watch them now and just go, oh, they're, they're stupid. But mm. that's kind of a point in a way. Mm. I think that what makes Nightmare on Elm Street, um, the first one, so different from the I mean, two was pretty much a, a disaster. Mm. And uh, three just added the. Um, it had a good mix, actually, the third one of the comical and the horror elements, but mm. then it just got more and more. Like almost comedy based as it went on. Yeah. Like mixing the horror and the comedy, where I think with the first one, it's just it's pure terror. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what sets it apart. You know, probably not not just from the rest of the Elm Street series, but you know, just out of majority of horrors that came out in the eighties. Mm. You know, um, just like the first Halloween, obviously the first couple of Halloweens. You know, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a massive favourite of mine, which that came out in the mid seventies. Yeah. And recently, films like Wreck and um, the mm. Blair Witch Project, mm. Paranormal Activity as well. I put on there, even though they're not they're not the same as you know these fan footage ones aren't the same as as Nightmare on Elm Street in that there's they're not you know it's more about what's suggested than what you you know what you see. What you yeah. see. But they 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 come from a similar place, don't they? Of, oh, of terror. I mean, Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch. I mean, I'm a big fan of fan footage when it's done well, and they divide people in the sense of. It's not scary. Whereas yeah. for me, I buy into it, and I think that's another thing with horror. You've got to want to buy into it, yeah. you know. And that's why some people go, "Oh, it's not it's not scary," and because they, they they won't let themselves become engaged with it and let themselves be afraid. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Letting yourself be afraid by a film. Oh, definitely, I think that's that's what puts a lot of people off. You know, it's more terrifying than the Halloweens and the Friday the Thirteenth, um, and it was also thought provoking. Um, generally scary you know scary kind of bad guy villain and yeah it's just one of them films where there's pretty much everything about it just in the, in the, in the horror world is pretty perfect really well that pretty much sums it up I think the reason <laughs> yeah. to to go and watch it I was going to ask you why but I think you've, you've pretty much summed <laughs> yeah. it up there really yeah. in that it's a perfect you know horror film in that it balances all the elements that make something scary so that's brilliant. I, I haven't watched it in quite a while myself, actually, and I haven't seen all the sequels, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt that down. Um, one last thing, though, w- do do people watch or avoid the remake? I'd say I think with the remake, yeah, I'd, I'd say avoid it. It's, it had elements that were okay, like like I said earlier about the effects. Mm. Um, obviously, the effects are better, so mm. I think the, the the way the film the remake ends is better than the way the Possibly mm. ends because yeah, it's very ridiculous at the end of the first one. Mm. Giving anything, <laughs> yeah, and there's one or two bits where I suppose because of budget etc. Things look look a bit better. But if you're a massive hardcore Nightmare on Elm Street fan, yeah, um, and understand everything that I've just been talking about, then yeah, I'd, I'd, pr- I'd probably go more on the uh, avoid side. The avoid than side than I would. That doesn't surprise me, especially <laughs> yeah. given it was produced by Michael Bay, which is as good a reason as I, any to to avoid it? that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Well, there you go. Oh, that, that, no. <laughs> no, I didn't even know. If I knew it was Bay, <laughs> if it's Bay, stay away. Yeah, yeah. it's a great. Yeah, if it's Bay, stay. I'm going to get a tattoo of that. Oh, probably a T-shirt. Toes, probably a bit, of a, yeah. a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If it's Bay, stay away. But yeah, now no, I've heard that. Yeah, avoid the remake. Okay. Brilliant. Well, thanks. Thanks for helping scare us today, Adam. Oh, that's no, no problem. I'm happy to scare any time. Does that sound really sinister? A little bit worried. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. He's happy to scare you at any time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> no one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.